All right, I'm going to read out of Psalm 150 this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with the tremble and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? Hallelujah. And, and you know, we get to do that here this morning, and and we get to do that when we're not here too, right? Yes. And, oh, thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for your word. All right, church, stand with me. I'm going to pray. Praise you, Father. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the breath in our lungs, Lord, that we get to use it to praise you. Thank you, Jesus. We get to lift up your name, Father. Your greatness. Oh, you're so good, Father. You're so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Um, As uh, Rebecca was talking about praising the Lord, I just had a leading that uh, I've learned to just follow the leading when it's time when you're led. When God leads you, you should follow. Amen? Amen? So now we've talked about over the last number of months about hearing the voice of God. We've talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how they work, what they are. Not, not as exhaustively as you could, but we could spend forever doing that. And then we've been talking about, what else did we talk about? That was a test. That was a test. <laughs> Knowing him. And so this morning, um, I just feel like we're supposed to start the service just a tad differently. Now, I need to be able to explain why, because the Bible says that, that, you know, when, that we need to explain. We need to understand why. Because sometimes you think, well, wait a second, why did he do it that way? The Bible talks about when we, when we speak in tongues, when we speak in tongues in an assembly, that there must be an interpretation. And that's absolutely true. It, there must be. We've seen that actually happen a number of times over the past few weeks. But this morning, as as Rebecca began, what I heard is start the service praying in tongues. To start to start as a congregation, because that's that's one way to worship him. Because the Bible says that when we pray in the spirit, that we're speaking mysteries, we're speaking things unto God. It's not unto man, it's not unto each other, it's unto him. And, and that with that, that doesn't have to have interpretation because we're, we're all praying in the Spirit. So we're going to spend a few moments here. I'll leave, but we're going to spend a few moments just praying as a congregation, just praying in the Spirit, preparing to worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let that be your testimony this morning.
Turn to somebody and just tell them, hey, he's alive. Word of your mouth. Testimony. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and as you're doing that, I remembered what the uh, third series that we did. I I forgot. I was... I can't really chastise anybody else. (laughs) Flowing in the supernatural. Yeah, how could we forget? Flowing in the supernatural. Hearing the voice of God, understanding the gifts, and then flowing in the supernatural because that's what we're supposed to do. And and that's what we did this morning. I knew there was a reason we were headed in that direction this morning after praying in tongues or going into praying in the Spirit is that we are led by the Spirit as He wills. You know, I didn't wake up this morning going, you know a great way to start out the service would be to everybody to pray in spirit. Didn't even think about it until that like minute, seconds before I stood up. But I, I recognized the flow of the spirit. I knew, you know, and I'll just, how do I know? You know, how did I know? Well, the first thing is there was, there was like, a, there was an agitation in the spirit. I don't know if you can, if you sense that, but it was like something wasn't right. And it wasn't that it was wrong, it just means something else had to happen. Something else, we had to do something different. We could have just went into the service like we always do, and we just you know, kept going and moving no matter what we thought. But no, there's something, okay, there's something we need to go in a different direction. Where's peace? And as I pray, I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? I heard pray in the Spirit. Have everybody pray in the Spirit. Now, why would he do that? I don't know. It's as he wills. Now, is it scriptural? Yeah. The body, the, we, the body can pray together in the spirit. It wasn't a word in tongues. If there was a word in tongues, absolutely, there must be an interpretation. But the, we, all we did is we prayed collectively as the body of Christ in the spirit. And then just did it for a while, and all of a sudden I just knew I can be done. We can go into worship, and we just keep moving. We are flowing with the spirit. Why? Because when we flow with the Spirit, when we flow in the Spirit, there's power. And this isn't about, as we've read before in in Corinthians, it's not about plausible words of wisdom. I mean, hopefully every once in a while, I say something that people go, whoa, that was wise. But it's not about that. It's not about plausible words of wisdom. It's about the power of God. I would much rather go into a service and experience the power of God than somebody's wisdom, than man's wisdom. Because man's wisdom is God's foolishness. I'm just, I'm just saying a bunch of scriptures here in a row that all fit together, right? Not haphazardly, I'm doing it on purpose. Led by the Spirit. Because he wants us to know this is about the Spirit of God. It's about what he wants to do. And we can literally live our lives this way. We can literally live not just our Sunday morning lives, not just our Sunday morning church lives. We can literally live this way every moment of every day. We can wake up in the morning, we can wake up in the morning and we can follow his spirit and we can walk in the power of God all day long. That's what Adam and Eve did before the fall. Before the fall, they woke up in the presence of God. They lived their lives in the presence of God. He said, he said go into all the world and, and, and fill it with life. They could have done that. 
But instead, they listened to what the devil said. Well, is that really what God said? And they believed him rather than God, which meant they didn't flow in the spirit. They went in the flesh. And as soon as they went into the flesh, what happened? They were naked. They realized they was naked. I don't know about you, it ain't good to be naked. Not in the winter, exactly. For some of us, it ain't good to be naked in the summer either. That is not where I was going this morning. Philippians, see, wisdom. You know, you don't want my wisdom. You don't. You just don't want my wisdom. But we've been talking. So then, after, after the flowing of the Spirit, uh, flowing in the supernatural, then we did start talking about knowing Him. And that's where we're at. And I actually, this morning, I mean, getting ready for today, I, Debbie walked in the office and she goes, you, you know, what are you doing? Are you hiding? And I said, no, I'm not hiding. I'm just trying to go, God, give me a sermon. <laughs> give me something. Because I had nothing, literally had nothing. It wasn't because I didn't try. It's not because I want. I've been in the Word. I've been listening. It's nothing. But sometimes he does that to me where he brings me right up to the edge and goes, do you trust me? Hallelujah. God's good, isn't he? Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. We've been here before. We may be here again says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. By knowing him, you can hear his voice. Amen. Now, you hear the Holy Spirit. You, you hear the Holy Spirit convicting of your sin. You hear the Holy Spirit drawing you to God. And that's, that's the only level of knowing him you can know him at, at, you know, at the beginning, before you're saved. But then from that moment on, once you step into him, when you're in Christ, then every day you can know him more. And that's what we're talking about. The surpassing, uh, uh, surpassing, what am I looking for? I'll get there. Surpassing worth. I knew it was surpassing something. Surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I absolutely love it. I'm so excited. I need to brag on our men's group, on, on uh, Unleash the Freak, because yesterday they spent the whole time talking about knowing God. They're going to they're start doing discipleship around knowing God. Oh, my goodness. You get 20, 30, 40 men knowing God, look out. You know, who was it? Uh, was it Finney or what, one of the revivalists said, give me a hundred men. No, it was Wesley. Said, give me a hundred men who fear nothing but God. And, I'll ch- and they'll change the world. You fear, you, and not fear as far as being afraid of him, but knowing him, reverencing him, understanding him. You give me a hundred people who just seek God with all of their heart and we will not only change this valley, We'll change the world. That's something to go after. That's something to get hungry for. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, in him, in him. Not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. 
When we put our faith in Him, we can know Him to a love. We can know, and then things start to increase in our lives. Now, here's something the Holy Spirit said to me just a few moments ago. And I'm listening. He says, here's the thing. He says, encourage people this morning. Encourage you this morning. Encourage you watching on, by, online. Stay in faith this morning. Stay in faith. Well, what does that mean? I don't, you know, well, don't, you know I, I have faith in Christ. No, no, there's a different, there's, there's faith in Christ, but then there's also staying in faith because you're going to hear some things this morning that the devil's going to try to steal from you, even before you absorb it. And the Holy Spirit is saying, encourage people to stay in faith. Now, how do you do that? When you hear what the Holy Spirit's about to say, and Satan goes, no, that's not true. Go, you're a liar. He's telling me the truth. Just the same thing that Adam and Eve should have done. You're a liar. I'm going to listen to God. Because I'm not going to share anything outside of the word of God. I'm not going to make anything up today. I'm not. Because it's not about my wisdom. It's not about my knowledge. It's not about me it's about knowing him. And when we know him, we stay in faith, then he can take us and move us forward. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, Through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God, this is still the end of verse 9, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. We have to stay in faith. We, it, it's, it's up to us to stay in faith. He gives us a measure of faith, but then it's our choice, it's our choice to stay in faith. You know, Jesus said some things to, to, to his disciples and others, mostly his disciples, interesting, mostly his disciples, when they said, well, how come we couldn't cast out that demon? What did he say? Well, he offended them. He just hurt their feelings, you know, because he says, because of your little faith. When they were in the boat and the right waves are going crazy and they're all freaking out. Jesus, we're going to die. And then he spoke over the water. He's like, peace be still. And they're all like, wow. And he goes, oh, you have little faith. Why? Because they didn't choose in that moment to trust God rather than the situation around them. The moment in, around them. You know, you can do that in your own life. Tomorrow morning you could be at work and everything is blowing up. Everything is going wrong. You have a choice because you know him and you're in him. You can choose to go, okay, God, what's the answer? Or you can choose to, everything's going to be destroyed. Abandon ship. Run. Every, every man, woman, and child for themselves. No. Trust him. He's got the answer. Stay in faith. Verse 11. No, I'm, I already jumped one over one hole. 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We just sang about the resurrection. The resurrection, the power of his resurrection. Do you know how much power it took to raise him from the dead? Me either. <laughs> but I want to know that. Because he said, you know, that's an invitation right there. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection means that he wants us to know the power of his resurrection. Ooh. 
and may share in his sufferings. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Show of hands, how many people want to share in his sufferings? <laughs> Here's the thing is, Paul's praying that. That I may know. Do you know, to know him, you have to share in his sufferings? Dude! Thought we could get by easier than that. You can't. Because here's the deal. Where we're going to head here this morning goes deep into that. Sharing in his sufferings. And it's not, it's not you know, you're not going to get, well, you're not going to get stuck to a cross. That's not the sufferings of Christ. I mean, it was the sufferings of Christ. It, was, it wasn't the, the, the whip on his back. It wasn't the, the thorns. It wasn't, it wasn't all that. It was him in the garden saying, not my will, but yours be done. That's the sufferings of Christ. All the other stuff happened. And, I, and there will be other things that will happen. The world will try to persecute you when you, when you lock into him. But it's not sickness. It's not poverty it's a, i'm just going to be poor so that i can enjoy this you know fellowship in his sufferings no it's when he said not my will lord i'll do whatever you tell me to do today this moment right now and he said he said let this cup pass by me he didn't want to in his in his humanity he didn't want to but he laid his humanity aside and said i'm going to follow christ i'm going to follow god i'm going to follow the father and we need to follow Christ in that way that we lay aside these earthly desires. We're going to get deep into it here in just a minute. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's not about the cross. It's about self-denial. It's about obedience to the Father to do whatever he says. Whatever he says. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Turn over to 1 John 3. 1 John 3. It's about knowing him. The more you know him, the more you realize that me, myself, and I needs to die. My will needs to die. You know, have you ever played the game? If I, if I was in charge, if I could do anything I wanted, anything, what would I be doing? Well, I played that game. <laughs> and, and many of the rest of you played that game for a while. And where, how did that work for you? First John 3. See what kind of love, oh good, we got back into love. All right, we're not going, okay, here we go. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. That's exciting. That's amazing. That, that joy, that privilege, that blessing to be called children of God. We're in. If you're born again, you're in. You're in the family. You're a child of God. You're not, you're not just, you know, as we heard yesterday at Unleash the Freak, you're not just not going to hell. 
You're not just not going to, if the, if the goal was to just not go to hell, that'd be all right. But it's so much more than that. He's called us to be his children. The love of his life. Oh, oh, I got baby pictures. Deb, where's the, right? Grandparents, oh. I heard somebody say one time, you know, God's got a picture of me in his wallet. They're so cute. It doesn't matter how many they send you. The next one is awesome too. I woke up this morning to, to a picture of my grandbaby saying, good night, Grandpa. I am such a marshmallow. I thought children did that to me, you know, I mean, gracious sakes. But then they grew up. No. Still feel that way most mornings. God feels that way about you. He's like, oh. Parents, grandparents, you know, the child spits up on you. You don't go, oh, done with you, kid. No, you go, oh, as you're wiping up the, uh. but it's like, oh, that's the way God, he, we are the children of God. The thing is, this family that we've been ado- adopted into has expectations. Let me just start there again with verse 1. It's not that long. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Now, okay, you got to think about this for a second. What does that mean? The world did not know us because it did not know Him. I mean, the world can see us, but we annoy the daylights out of the world. The world looks at the church, looks at the kingdom of God, looks at us and goes, ugh. They annoy me. I don't like them. Have you ever, you ever come in contact with someone who's not a believer and they don't like you from the moment they just walk in the room and they don't like you? I've had that happen. They're just like, Rrr. They say things to you, they snap at you. Have you ever walked into a room where there's another Christian and you don't even know them and you walk in and you go, oh, there's somebody, there's somebody, I like whoever, I don't, I don't know why, there's a connection there. Why? Because we're in him. When we're in him, there is, we're part of the family and we, we can recognize family many places. But there's also the world that does not know us because they don't know him. What do you mean? They don't know that there's a God? Of course they know there's a God. Read a book a while back. It's called Godless. G-O-D dash less. And it's, a, st- it's a, a, a thing about people who are uh, uh, atheists. The first line of the book is, there is no such thing as an atheist. It was a pretty bold statement. But he said, basically, people choose to believe that there is no God. You make choices to believe 
because of disbelief, because of hurt, because of all, and he just there's, goes on and on about why people transition to being godless. But if they won't recognize God, they're not going to recognize you. You're an outsider. You don't count. I just, I don't know about you, I don't know if you saw in the news in the last couple of weeks, one of our representatives, either in the National House or Senate, said we have to get rid of the Supreme Court or we will live under Judeo-Christian principles forever. They weren't attacking Christians. They just don't want to be like us. We're sick and tired. We want to be free. To live any way we... I'm, I'm adding, I'm adding. This is not a direct... The first part was the direct quote. Why? Because... I don't want to be like him. They hate God, so they hate us. Let's move on. Beloved, verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be, this is the part, here's the part, this is the cool part. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. I made a statement a number of weeks ago. And I have to admit, there's many times when I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm preaching, and I'm, I'm hopefully, I'm, I believe I'm preaching by the Spirit of God, that I will say things that I didn't know. There are things that I say while I'm preaching, and, I'll just, and even in my own head, I'm going, Huh? Where did that come from? I'm thinking. And then all of a sudden, if I, if I dwell on it, I start, oh, I start thinking, oh my gosh, is that true? And I said one of those things a few weeks ago, and I've actually been meditating on it for now three, four weeks, and it has to do with this. It says, it says here that we don't know who we are yet. But once we see him, once we know him, we will know ourselves. Then we'll see who we are. And it says, when we see him. When, you know, and some people would think, well, that's when we get to the end and we see him. Oh, now I get it. No, 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 no. It's where, when we're in the word. When we're in him. When we know him. So I said that that day. I'm like, is that true? Because what I said, I don't know, I didn't say what I said. What I said was, we need to know him. The more we know him, the more we'll know ourselves. I said that a lot and I was like, is that true? I can't believe I just said that. It's on recording. Now what do I do? No, no onions, no tomatoes got thrown, praise God. No stones. So I thought, okay, I dodged the first one. But I, I meditated on it for three weeks. So I was like, is that true? And the Holy Spirit said, that's true. Because you don't know who you are yet. Or you know yourself only to the level that you know him. Good stuff, eh? Do you see why it's so important to know him? Yeah, I thought about this. And when I was in college, we had, I had to take some psychology classes. And one of the things that they, they talk, talked about in, in the area of psychology is that people who did not know their parents have trouble with identity. 
if you don't know the history of where you came from. Now, here's the deal. If you don't know your parents, if for some reason you didn't know your parents, you were adopted or whatever, my, my family line has adoption in it. My family line, my grandfather was adopted. He and his sister were, were put in an orphanage as small children. His dad died. His mom had run away. My last name isn't Neitzel. Well, it is, legally. But my family history, I'm not a Neitzel. I'm a Calhoun. Because he was a Calhoun. And then he, he became, or he went into the, the, I think I've told this story before, but maybe not everybody remember. He, he was, as a small child, as a young boy, he was put in there, and they were supposed to be kept together in the orphanage. This was the early 1900s. And within a week or two, she was adopted out and gone. He didn't see her for another 40 years. And here's this young boy in the orphanage. And, and then in the spring, people came and adopted him. He's like, oh, okay, they came and adopted me. And they moved to the farm, and he worked with them on the farm all summer long. And when the harvest came in, they took him back to the orphanage. And he spent the whole winter in the orphanage. And the next spring, a family came and adopted him. And he's like, okay, all right, whew. And he worked, went to their family farm and worked on the farm all summer long. And they came to, after the harvest, and they took him back to the orphanage. Year after year after year, he was adopted out and brought back at the end of the harvest and spent the winter in the orphanage and was adopted by a different family the next year. Well, then one year, he got adopted by the Neitzels. The Neitzels took him to their home and he worked the farm all summer long, got done with the harvest, he started packing his bags, and the Neitzels walked in and said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I figured I was going back to the orphanage. And they went, no, 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 no. We adopted you. You are our family. And he immediately took their name. It was his identity. People who loved him. Anyway, who chose to love him. Adoption is so beautiful. Because people choose to adopt somebody. They choose to, to bring somebody in. It is a picture of God's love for us. We were familyless. I mean, our family, the before God, before Jesus, before our relationship with God, that family hated us and abused us, misused you. And God says, I love you anyway. Come in. And I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That's beautiful. That's a, that's a, that's a, a, a picture of the love of God. That is so powerful. He has chosen us to be his family. Beloved, we are God's, God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, when we see him, we shall be like him. He is making us into the image of his son. That's another verse. We are being changed into the image of his son. Who you were 10 years ago, who you were 20 years ago, who you were 30 years ago. 
who you were 60 years ago. Sorry, I just want to include everybody. <laughs> is not who you are today. That's a good thing. It's not who you are today. Why? Because the longer you're with him, the more you're made in the image of his son. Amen. The thing is, you've got to know who he is so that you can understand who you are. And then verse 3. And everyone, now just remember, verse 1, 2, and 3, these are all one thought, so when you have to deal with number 3 here, it's not, I didn't throw it in extra, it's part of this. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he's pure. Because who you were before him was a mess. You had issues. You brought issues into the family. You had rejection issues. My grandfather, I'm sure, had rejection issues. I know he had rejection issues. Because I heard things from my dad about how his dad described his life. And it's like, mm, that's, some, that's some rejection issues. But you got to, okay, you don't stay there though. You don't stay there. And I keep bumping up against this. And I'm going to just say it right now. Forget who you were before. The old sin no longer matters. Well, yeah, but. Here's, stay in faith, folks. Stay in faith. Because Satan's going to try to tell you, yeah, but you did this, and yeah, but you did that, and yeah, but you, were, you failed at this, and you couldn't do that, and, and you had this, and you're still dealing with this issue. Why can't you get, you just, because you, know, you can't get over that issue, that sin, that whatever. Stop it. He loves you. He adopted you. He knew who you are before he brought you in. He chose you even though you were in sin. He went, you, 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 you. Come on in. Yeah, but you don't understand. Come in. Knock it off. Forgetting those things that are behind. It's another verse. And striving on, pressing on to what is ahead. Moving forward. Keep your eyes on him. Why do we need to know him? Why is this so important? Because you need the right model to model your life after. My goodness, don't model your life after me. I mean, Paul did say, follow me as I follow Christ. So you can follow me, you can model your life, but I want to point you to him. You don't need to come through me. You don't need to come through a priest anymore. You don't need to come through the hierarchy. Every moment of your life, you can go, I want to know you. That, that thought, it comes, overwhelms me at times. I know the God of all the universe. I mean, I can talk to him right now. He's here right now. He's in, he has chosen to be in me right now. That is so cool. Forget what's behind. Yes, I mean, deal with it. Deal with it. And that's what it says. You know, anyone who, who, who uh, hopes in him 
purifies himself as he's pure. That means, okay, that's sin. That's sin. I'm going to quit doing that. I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't, know, I, I don't want to make that choice anymore. I don't want to have that opinion. I don't want to take that attitude. I don't want to be that way. I don't want, okay, that's the old family. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live like him. But we have to know who he is so that we can live like him. We have to know how he would react in a situation so that we can model ourselves after the way he reacts. Now, the great part is you don't have to do it in your own strength. You can say, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live the way you would want to live, and I see this is the way, and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> Just being honest with you, I don't know how to do that. Help me. And he sent a helper to help us. He sent that helper to help us live this life in such a way. All right, so don't forget, verse three here, everyone who ho thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And then last sections of verses here, 2 Corinthians 4. These all tie together. It's about knowing him. It's about following him. It's about obeying him. It's about being obedient to him. It's about being like him. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse 1. It says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Stay in faith. Yeah. Stay in faith. Don't lose heart, guys. Well, I, I, I blew it. You know, I blew it. Yes, I didn't. I was awesome yesterday but I blew it yet yeah, I'm speaking like you okay I blew it yesterday stay in faith forget those things that are behind what happened yesterday happened yesterday acknowledge it's wrong you know there's a verse that says when the when the accuser comes and tries to take you to court settle your peace quickly remember you know that verse he's not you know what he's talking about is when the accuser comes and said you sinned you go yep I sinned I repent. I'm free. Because if you don't settle it really quickly, if you don't just acknowledge it and deal with it, then he will drag you to prison. And he'll keep you in bondage until you get it figured out that you don't have to be there. You don't have to be in bondage anymore. Well, yeah, but I messed up yesterday. Okay. Admit it. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. No, don't waste your time. Really, don't waste your time. You ever, you ever done something and you had an attitude, whatever it is, and then for like, you think, okay, I think I should like repent for three days. If I feel bad about it for three days, then God will, can, then he can really forgive me. You mean I'm the only one that's done that? Really? No, I see the knowing faces. Ah, there they are. No, we think we, think we have to do something to appease God. Come on. When you realize, oh, I did that. I'm, Lord, I'm sorry. I, that's sin. That is sin. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do you. I want to be like you. I want to, I want to be in you. That's all he's looking for. That's all, he's, all he wants is for you to be drawn. You don't have to beat yourself up. Jesus was beat up for you. Every bit Every bit of wrath 
every bit of punishment, every bit of everything that had, for every sin that's ever been committed was taken out on him. Why? Because my righteousness is not in myself. It's in him. It's in him. So you just need to know what his righteousness is. How do you know how you, what is his right? You get to know him. How do you get to know him? We haven't said that a bunch. You be in his word. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. We don't have to deal with, we just, we, we say, God, that was sin. I want your truth. And in this situation, say it's an attitude. Say it's about how you treated somebody. I'll just take something benign that, you know, none of you have ever done. You know, the guy cuts you off in the, on the road. <laughs> and I know I'm working on this. I know, I know, so I'm not perfect yet. Guy cuts off in front of me and then he slows down. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a righteous anger. No, it's not. It's selfishness. And the words you speak over him or her needs to change. Okay, God, that's sin. I'm sorry. That's sin. I want to bless those who despitefully use you (laughs) or despitefully use the lane. Be like him. Bless them anyway. Bless them anyway. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3. And if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. This goes back to that verse in 1 John. They don't know him, and so it's veiled to them. Because they don't know him, it's veiled. They can't, it doesn't make any sense. No, but your life has to show them him. Because otherwise, if your life doesn't show them him, then they will never understand there's a different way to, to see life. There's not, they won't know. So the, the per, great example of this, before I was walking with God, I mean, I was, I was a Christian, I've been a Christian since I was four years old, but I ran away from God for about five, six years. I mean, I, I ran away, I ran away as hard as I could. And during that time, I worked in a hot dog factory. Many of you know that. Worked in a hot dog factory. And in this hot dog factory, was not the, it was not the, uh, the, the perfect spiritual you know, uh, development area. There were a lot of heathen in there. There were a few Christians, praise God for them. But most everybody was heathens, including myself. I had rejected God. I didn't want anything to do with God. Well, there was this guy. There was this old guy. And I was a young guy. There was this old guy, he didn't like me, okay? Which means then I had, all my, I had every right to not like him. And I just was like, Ugh. So he would see me, he'd call me names, he'd swear at me across the room, and I would return the favor. <laughs> I would call him names, and I would pick on him, and I'd throw meat at him. 
his job was to push racks of meat into the, into the smokehouse and smoke them, and I would put stuff in his way on purpose, you know, just being, just being a jerk. I was a jerk. Well, then, then God goes and draws me back in and loves me anyway, even though I didn't deserve it. He loved me back in, and he, he gave me another chance, praise God. And all of a sudden, I can't live the way I did last week. And one of the first people that God made me deal with was him. Because he didn't change. Here's the deal. I I can say this very openly. I hated him. I hated him. He hated me. I hated him. It worked out for both of us. But now my life has changed. I can't live the way I used to. I now have to live differently. So I get into those same exchanges and I'm like... It was hard. It was hard. It was the sufferings of Christ, I'm telling you. I had to die to myself. I had to die to what I wanted to do and say. And that hurt. There were times where it physically hurt because I was right. No, I wasn't. Didn't matter. But he, would be, he was just as much of a jerk to me as, I, as he had been before. The only thing that had changed is God was in me now and I can't live that way. I'm adopted in. I have to live differently. And I had to start making choices. The first thing I did was I like, God, help me. Please help me. Because I don't want to treat him that way anymore. Because you love him. I don't know why you love him, but you love him. <laughs> but it was, I, he needed to see Jesus. But the first thing he had to see was a different me. And there was no guarantee that he would ever be nice to me. There wasn't. I just assumed I was going to be a whipping boy from that moment on. Because every day he'd see me, he'd swear at me, and he'd say things, and he'd do things, and he'd blah, blah, blah. And, and every day I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this different. I can't remember the guy's name. I've been sitting here trying to remember the guy's name. I can't remember. It's too long ago. But one day... We were, it was break, we were in the break room, and I saw him sitting by himself because nobody liked him. <laughs> Curmudgeon old fart. <laughs> nobody liked him. And he's sitting by himself, and God says, go sit by him. I was like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I heard, die to yourself. Okay, this doesn't sound all that spiritual. Oh, trust me. It's as spiritual as it gets. In that moment, I had to make a choice. Do I go sit by this guy? You have got to. I mean, I'm, I'm inviting harassment. I was like, oh, no, Lord, anything but that. I'll go, I'll go to the outer outreaches of the Bangladesh. I'll do it. I will give my life. No, go sit next to him. I mean, and it was going to be weird. Everybody else is going to go. Now I'm being as weird as weird gets. But you know what? Jesus came to this earth and was as weird as weird gets for you and me. So I went over and I put down my tray and sat across the table and he looks up and he goes, what do you want? Just thought I'd sit here. 
Why? You know, do you say, do you tell them, because God told me to, you know? <laughs> Just being honest with you, that is not what I said. Uh, 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 I just saw you were sitting by yourself. Well, I'm always sitting by myself. He gets up and leaves. <laughs> but I did what I was supposed to do. I passed the test. Wouldn't you know the next day? And the next day. And the next day. Over and over. Go sit next to him. I mean, sometimes he'd just look at me like, what are you doing? And he'd still be mean to me. You know, he'd still push my buttons. He'd still, we'd, he'd still yell, and, but I quit doing it. And I don't remember everything. I don't remember the whole progression of things. But I can tell you by the time I left there, by the time we left in 1987, 88, he had asked me to pray for him and his family. He had asked me, because he was divorced, but his kids were a mess. And I, you know, I started telling him who I was. And I said, you know, and I actually apologized to him one day. I said, man, I'm so sorry I treated you like that. I said, you didn't deserve that. I had to humble myself. And by the end of it, he asked me to pray for he and his family. I have no idea what happened to him. I hope I see him again. I didn't witness to him straight out. I didn't, I, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't share the gospel. But I showed Jesus to him as I was led to do. We have to live differently. And it's, it's not just live differently like I'm going to go start a church and you know, I'm, I'm going to do what God tells me. I'm going to go start a church and that's the epitome of what God... No, the epitome is love one another. As Christ loved us. And that's hard. It's going to feel like you're dying much, most of the time. And as you die, though, you become more like him. Because he died for us. Hallelujah. Verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This whole thing is about showing him through you. And as, as you allow him to show himself through you, then the world will see him. But first of all, you need to know him. You need to know which, how to live. You need to know how this goes forward. And I'm going to end with verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in, char in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You are frail. You are frail. You are, you, this, this body has a propensity to want to sin. If he, if he had wanted to, to, to uh, show himself through a perfect vessel, he wouldn't have chosen us. So when you're beating yourself up because you made a mistake, you're wasting your time. It's not going to disqualify you from being him to others. It's actually because of this frail body 
It has to be God because I can't do it. It has to be God because you can't do it. But you've got to let him do it, and that means dying to yourself and allowing him to shine through. Amen? Amen. Good morning. I want to quickly look at the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, it's in all four Gospels, but I'm, I'm uh, teaching out of it out of the book of John. And I'm going to show you how this story relates to where River Valley is today. So Jesus seen a large crowd coming to him, and he saw there was a need. They needed to be fed. So he said to Philip, where are we to get um, the money to feed these people? And Philip answered, well, $11,000 wouldn't even be enough to give them a little bit. Um, but of course, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He always knows what he's going to do. And along comes Andrew, Simon's brother, and he says, I've got this lad here that's got five loaves of barley bread and two fish. But he said, what are these for so many? But Jesus said, have the people sit down in groups of 50. And we know he blessed the bread and the fish and broke it and had it passed out. But this must have taken many trips to distribute. There were at least 200 groups of 50. And, they get, and, and after they ate, they had to gather up all the leftovers. Jesus doesn't want anything wasted. And that took a lot of time and effort. And I would think the lad that gave the loaves and fishes certainly went back with one of the 12 baskets that were left over. Because when you sow, you always reap more than you give. So let's fast forward to the 21st century, maybe 2019. And God looked down at the River Valley, the St. Croix Valley, and he saw thousands of people that had no idea who he was. They were just living their own lives, destined to the wrong destination. So the call went out from the Lord of Harvest, who Jesus said in Matthew, the Lord of Harvest is God. The call went out to a man named John to plant churches in the River Valley. In fact, 24 churches by the end of 2027. Now that's a huge task. It's an enormous undertaking. How can it be done? It'll take time and effort. So as the story of feeding the 5,000, the lad, what he had, you can bring what you have. You can bring your time, your training, finances, prayer, your gifts of the Spirit. Whatever God has equipped you with, then the Holy Spirit will send us, his disciples, out to bring the bread of life to those hungry people. This will take time and effort, but thousands will be saved. And Jesus has said that, you know, if you go back, he, he said that we need to give up our life and pick up the life he has for us. So my prayer would be Ephesians 3.20. Uh, it's probably up here. And if not, we can, and, and that is, it's unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask, think, or even imagine, according to what? The power that works in us. So let's do that.